Netflix is reportedly taking a look at NBA media rights. Plus, later on, we'll hear from former NHL players Scotty Upshaw and Shane O'Brien on everything going on in the hockey world. It's Wednesday, November 15th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Netflix could be upping the ante in a big way when it comes to live sports. Joining me now to discuss is Front Office Sports Newsletter co-author David Rumsey. Welcome, David. Hey, Owen. Thanks for having me. Great to have you back. So we were just talking yesterday about how the Netflix Cup could be an entry point for bigger moves in the live sports world for Netflix. It seems like there was some merit to that speculation. Yeah, absolutely. The Netflix Cup, which is a celebrity golf type event. There's also some rumors of a potential boxing match, maybe involving Jake Paul. And now Netflix is reportedly interested in bidding for the NBA in-season tournament when that league's rights come up in its next set of media deals. So, um, and this would be, you know, because it's Netflix more than just them showing the games. It's, It's sort of more of a holistic package here. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. The report from Sports Business Journal says that Netflix would potentially be interested in not just acquiring live game rights to the NBA's in-season tournament, which would begin in 2025 most likely, but also maybe create a docuseries like they've done for Formula One around Drive to Survive or the PGA Tours Full Swing. Now, this would be a unique scenario where they would have live rights to the sport, as well as this docuseries, which would be a major shift from Formula One, where they don't have rights and the same for the PGA Tour. And whether or not this happens, I feel like this gives us some clues as to how Netflix is going to approach live sports going forward. So anything you're seeing there? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think Netflix when they're getting involved in sports, which their executives have pretty much said as much, they're going to be unique. They're going to do it their own way. They see opportunity to marry not just live content, but also their plethora of uh, content on their streaming service, right? So if you were to get NBA rights, then if they were to create this docuseries as well around the in-season tournament, it's just kind of a perfect marriage there for fans to consume content around games, go back and watch the docuseries uh, on Netflix itself. Um, The same with this Netflix Cup. You know, if you like what you see from the golfers and the Formula One drivers, maybe you want to go watch Full Swing or Drive to Survive. And the same could be said for Jake Paul. He has a documentary on Netflix with their Untold series. So it's pretty easy to see what Netflix is interested in doing. And it'll just be interesting to see if that ever translates to more just hey, we want to buy some live sports rights, whether we have a documentary about this particular sport or not. Speaking of perfect marriage, I feel like this would be a dream scenario for the NBA. I mean, if Netflix broadcasts the midseason tournament and did a docuseries on it, it would give them a major new streaming partner that other leagues don't have. Uh, But also it would give them a narrative around the midseason tournament, which is what they're trying to create with these funny looking courts and, you know, all the hype they're trying to gin up around this. Um, it's it's one thing for the NBA to try to, you know, cajole us into caring about this. It's another thing if there's a whole, you know, narrative and a whole thing around it and it's all in in one place. Yeah, absolutely. 
already in its first year, some of these games for the NBA in-season tournament have already been up on networks like ESPN, and it's kind of in a test run phase this year before potential bidders maybe start bidding for it at the end of this season. You know, this year, next year, it's just going to, these games are going to air on ESPN, TNT, local partners, um, just like because they're part of the regular season. But beginning in 2025, there could be a partner like Netflix or like Amazon that comes in and airs all these games. And you're exactly right. That would make people know, oh, this is, if I'm watching this game on Netflix, then that has to be this special NBA cup, right? Because I'm on Netflix and they don't have any other games. So I think that's exactly what the NBA wants, whether it's Netflix, Amazon, Apple, another network TV channel, whoever gets it. And I could also see branding rights go, you know, it's, it's the Netflix cup on the, on the NBA and you can watch your docuseries and you can watch, you know, the whole thing. David Rumsey, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. There's a bunch of news in the baseball world. MLB owners will vote on the relocation of the Oakland A's on Thursday. And it's essentially a foregone conclusion that they will approve the move to Las Vegas, despite some major concerns about how viable Vegas is as a baseball market. There are many reasons to be skeptical about this being a good idea for MLB, but every other owner is going to want public money for their stadium at some point. And after this, they'll all be able to say to their home cities, nice baseball team you have there, it would be a shame if something happened to it. However, the $380 million awarded by the Nevada government to help build the stadium is facing a new challenge. The advocacy group Schools Over Stadiums announced on Tuesday that they are filing a lawsuit saying that the legislation authorizing the funding, quote, violates at least five sections of the state constitution, which would lead to the bill's partial or total invalidation. The group is also still pursuing a ballot referendum against the funding after their first attempt was blocked by a judge. The A's could still move without the public funds, but they'll have to ask themselves one more time if this is still worth it. The MLB offseason is in full swing, but this week the biggest drama centered around a player under contract through 2027. That would be New York Yankees designated hitter Giancarlo Stanton. Yankees general manager Brian Cashman was speaking to reporters last week when Stanton came up, and he said, quote, I'm not going to tell you he's going to play every game next year because he's not. He's going to wind up getting hurt again, more likely than not, because it seems to be part of his game. Cashman's not wrong. Stanton has struggled with health throughout his career, but his agent, Joel Wolf took exception to that and responded by saying, I think it's a good reminder for all free agents considering signing in New York, both foreign and domestic, that to play for that team, you've got to be made of Teflon, both, menti- both mentally and physically, because you can never let your guard down, even in the offseason. The key line in there is both foreign and domestic, because Wolf also represents Japanese right-hander Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who is an absolute ace and is expected to get a contract in the neighborhood of $200 million, and many had tagged the Yankees as a logical suitor for his services, but that bridge may be burned. Also, we're still processing the news of San Diego Padres owner Peter Seidler passing away at the age of 63. I just got a text from a good friend of mine who grew up in San Diego that sums up his legacy better than I could, so I'm going to go ahead and read that. R.I.P.'s Peter Seidler, the only sports team owner I've ever really liked. He took a team that had always acted like they were small market and showed that markets can be expanded if you pay to put a bunch of talent on the field. Lots of Padres games had like 8,000 fans when I was a kid, and now they sell out almost every game, and you see the brown and gold everywhere you go in San Diego. He was responsible for, quote, bringing back the brown, which gave the Padres a visual identity that was unique and took pride in being a little different. He also spent a ton of money trying to help homeless people in San Diego. R.I.P. Papa Pete. 
Hope your next of kin are as generous as you are. Up next, I spoke with former NHL players and hosts of the Missing Curfew podcast, Scotty Upshaw and Shane O'Brien. We spoke about the state of the NHL, where the league should and shouldn't expand. They had some strong opinions on the latter, if any team should relocate, and how the NHL is going to compete with other sports, namely soccer. That conversation is coming up next. All right. Very excited to be joined now by the hosts of the Missing Curfew podcast, former NHL players, Scotty Upshaw. Welcome, Scotty. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and Shane O'Brien. Welcome, Shane. Uh, thanks, fellow. Thanks for having me. All right. Um, so you guys uh, host this podcast called Missing Curfew. What should folks expect if they tune in? Uh, you know what? Oh, no, we, we go for a locker room feel. And, and, you know, a lot of our listeners that have been here from day one, um, you know, when, when we bump into them on the fellow tour and stuff like that, and they say up dog and obviously it really feels like we're in the locker room. And that's the ultimate compliment to me and Uppy. Um, you know, we miss a lot about the game, but the locker room is probably one of the biggest things, maybe besides the paychecks, eh, up dog. But, um, you know, we just get in here. It's a time that, you know, me and Uppy joke. It's like we get our own little, you know, time machine, so to speak, in here. We kind of feel younger, act younger, and, and just kind of break the game down like we see it, eh, Ups? Absolutely. And it's nice, uh, you know, both of us knowing each other for 13, 14 years. Uh, been through a lot of stuff, uh, you know, away from hockey, in <laughs> hockey. Um, so, we, you know, we have that aspect, which not many podcasts really are, you know, about two buddies that have, you know, lived this entourage sort of lifestyle, moved to California, were single through our 20s and 30s, and have, you know, now some time to talk about it on a microphone. Thought it was interesting that of the things you missed from the game, there's the locker room and the paychecks. I didn't hear being on the ice there, but you know, I guess <laughs> when you're playing well, it's good to be on the ice. But yeah. there's some nights out there where you like to hide under the ice if you could, right? You know, totally. Things aren't going well, but no, you, you obviously, you know, Uppy talks about it more than I do. But you you miss the compete and the camaraderie of the boys. And listen, on there's no better feeling than winning a game in the NHL. And like Uppy said, we were single throughout our career. So if you, if you won a big game and you had a day off, there was no better feeling than that. Eh? Yeah, w- winning and opening up your paycheck yeah. the next morning was pretty good. Too. And so we're you know uh, a little ways into this NHL season. What's caught your eye so far? Well, I would say obviously what's going on in Edmonton. Um, you know when you're when you're picked as as a team, not just to to make the playoffs, but you know besides I think the Carolina Hurricanes, they and maybe the Avalanche, they were the top you know three teams to win the Stanley Cup and. Um, you know, obviously me and Updog have, have been on the short end of the stick thus far with some of our bets that we put on the Oilers. So from a personal level, we're, we're a little upset about that, but just when you have the two best players on the planet to have them where they're sitting, um, to me, Uppy, I think you probably agree with, has been the biggest shock. Yeah. Yeah. Shocked because I picked them and I think I got a bottle of wine with you against, yeah. uh, you know, I picked Edmonton to win the Stanley cup. And even after three weeks of it, you know, we're on sitting on Cooley show, uh, Sirius XM and I'm, I'm still like you know, picking Edmonton to win the cup. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I now I got you. myself in a hole, not financially and, <laughs> and betting you from now. wine. But um, no, I, you know what? I think we can shine light on some of the young superstars in the league. Uh, you know, Connor Bedard being, you know, being the obvious one and just, you know, how exciting it is to have, you know, some youth around, uh, you know, the superstar talk and, um, you know, and then just, you know, the top dogs, like, right, Vegas Golden Knights had such a spectacular year last year hosting the Stanley Cup. And they come back this year and they follow it up with, with such a great start, uh, almost an NHL record-breaking start to following up a, a Stanley Cup. And they seem to be the team to beat. And everyone's, you know, chasing uh, Lord Stanley again. And it's just exciting time. Yeah, let me just jump on, on the young superstars. That's a great point by the updog. Uh, Jack Hughes, a guy who Uppy's loved for the last three years. Uh, unfortunately, he's hurt right now. But the steps that he had made when he first came back this year, like, I mean, he took that next step to where he is a superstar, where he was 
probably the favorite to win the Hart Trophy. And then Pedersen in Vancouver, a kid that I followed as an ex-Canuck for you know his entire career, looks like a man. He's big. He's physical now. He can actually grow a beard. So I'm like, this kid's legit. So so up, he's right. These young guys that we've watched develop throughout Missing Curfew are now legit superstars. Yeah, I'm a Devils fan, and there I, I get Jack Hughes. I mean, he's injured now, but he's my main source of sports joy right now. Just watching that guy weave around a bunch of guys and, and score a goal is uh, gets me well, every time. You're, you're a Devils fan, Owen. So listen, I, I I was taking some heat last year from the Devils fans. Me and the Updog, I was all over the Rangers, and I'll tell you what, my ex account was blowing up. So. Um, you Devils fans are, are hardcore. I just wanted to get that in there. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's there's still enough of, like, sort of that core memory from the three cups in the 90s and early 2000s, I think, that kind of sustains them. Um, and, yeah, now finally we've got something good. It was, it was a little bit of a drought there. Um, <laughs> so, and just in general, I mean, you guys are already touching on it with all those young stars coming up. In terms of the product that the league is putting on the ice right now, do you, do you feel like this is what you want to see from hockey? Well, that's a double a double edged sword there. Yeah, yes, the the skill, the speed, uh, scoring goals, you know, basically at will is is exciting, right? Love a lot of fans love to see it. You know, Shane and I, being the old school guys we are, and and played the game. You know, you mentioned the early two thousands when hockey was, you know, it was tough. It was really tough to win. It was tough to go out there as a young player and compete against these older guys who would get away with a lot, who made you earn your spot in the league and. And that sort of, you know, call that parody back then. That was that was hard hockey, right? And I want to see hard hockey still be played. I want to see it physical. I want to see, you know, the toughest, most, you know, um, kind of efficient teams kind of, you know, make it through a long season and then make it through the playoffs. Like it's hard, right? Hockey's always been a, a man's sport. And I don't want to see that change. But what I do love is just, you know, this this high level of, you know, uh, skill that makes highlights, you know, enjoyable to watch. Uh, but let's not take away those big hits and let's not take away the fact that uh, if you're going to do something to someone's superstar, you're going to pay the price. And that's that's the way hockey's always been played. And I want it to stay that way. Yeah, that's that's well said by my boy, the updog there. And listen, he, he's right about the speed and skill. Like we, we, we watch games a lot and, you know, we're always texting or FaceTime or try to watch games together when we can. And, and the speed and skill of what those guys do out there. You know, I, I definitely couldn't do, you know, up dog early in his career, maybe. But then you, you just find your role and you get into it. So the speed and skill is out of control. But uh, for me, Owen, like we, we can't lose the physicality of the game, right? Like, you know, we, we talk about other sports and stuff like this. Like hockey, the reason it's good is because it's physical. I was watching the Colorado Avalanche play your New Jersey Devils last week. And that second period to me was the best period of the year. Physicality, guys getting drilled. Never want to see anyone get hurt. But I guess what I'm saying is the speed and skill is great. But we can never lose that physicality. That's what makes the NHL and hockey the best sport in the world, in our opinion. Yeah. And right now, the league seems potentially open to expanding, adding a couple teams. What are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like we've got a good balance now? Is there room for more? I don't think we need to, you know, rush into adding teams. I think we need to figure out the teams that we already have and how to make these all work. I think that's been, you know, up top of Gary Bettman's list for the last 10 or 15 years, you know, we're seeing something in Phoenix right now that's very unfortunate. Yeah. Um, me being an ex-Coyote and spending time in Glendale at that rink, um, you know, wasting all that time driving out there to no fans. And and so that didn't work. Well, now, you know, finding a way to make this, you know, a, a home for hockey and a home forever, right? Scottsdale, Mesa, whatever that, you know, whatever that area is, you know, they need to figure it out. You want a hockey team? Because if you do, um, you got to get at this new rink build. If you don't, they're going to leave. And that should be priority number one because it just doesn't work. But 
you know, do I think Atlanta needs another team right now? No. Do I think, um, you know, a team like Kansas City might deserve a shot at a team? Yeah, they yeah, great fans. Kansas City Chiefs are a great organization. Um, they're in the Midwest, a lot of teams surrounding them. I think they can have the support. Houston's another talk. Um, yeah. You know, Quebec has made a big push with a new rink and, and, you know, losing a team before. But, you know, things that are happening in Winnipeg are unfortunate right now too, right? We talked to Timu Solani last week and, um, you know, we need the fans in Winnipeg to keep supporting the Winnipeg Jets because we don't want them in a conversation of maybe leaving uh, because no one's going to the games. And, you know, uh, we, we understand that um, a lot of cities might want to push for a team and expansion is talked about, but uh, we got to make these teams work that are there right now. Yeah. For that Arizona situation, do either of you have a feel for what should happen there? I mean, I, I never want to advocate for a team leaving, but should that team leave? I mean, listen, we, we were, sh- I was shocked. I better not speak front on this, but I was shocked that the Tempe one got voted down now. However, you know, it's above my pay grade when you bring in, you know, what it's going to cost the people that live in Tempe and uh, stuff like that. So I, I thought that was going to get through, but I, listen, I love everything that's going on with the Arizona Coyotes. Uppy loved playing there. I loved going there as, as a road player. Uh, like he said, I didn't love playing in Glendale. Uh, but the, the time is now. They need a new barn. Up, you mentioned Kansas City and Houston. Those are two cities to me that have rinks that are ready to rock. Um, they have a good young team in Arizona. If they don't get a rink, Owen, uh, as much as I love going there, I mean, the joke's over. I, they need a barn. Yeah, and it's like, look what they do with the Waste Management Open, right? Yeah. Like, they get away with so much there for a golf tournament. Can't they just bribe someone and, like, make this rink, get some private funding or get some, you know... It, it's going to work out like a new rink and a new full hotel facility, a place where people can go bring their families, kids enjoy, you know, something that's not developed yet, but with development, it's going to be great. And you're going to keep a, a very high competitive hockey team there. And who knows if, you know, you might get another sport, right? I know they have MLS, they have baseball, they, they have basketball, they have football, but you know, with a new hockey rink comes new concerts, comes new, you know, shows and stuff. And, a place where you're going to create memories with your family and your kids. And uh, to, to me, it's a no brainer, but someone needs to get paid off. Yeah. It's not our money. Eh? It's not yeah. our money. We're not, we're not spending our money on it though, but we love the idea. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. Uh, you mentioned Atlanta too. Do you think there are any special rules around making hockey work in the South? It's been such a topic over the years, but some teams are just doing fine and we don't talk about them, but there are a couple examples where it's, um, I mean, not exclusively in the South. You mentioned Winnipeg too. But yeah, is hockey in the South a special category, or is it is it just hockey? Well, I mean, listen, we both played Nashville. We've seen where Nashville's come. Some of the best fans in the league. Some of the you know now one of the best organizations. And when Uppy started there, it was one of the smallest organizations. It's still small, but it's it's just it's kind of a respected organization now. But but listen, I played in Tampa and I played against Atlanta. Uh, it's not going to work. I mean, you tried it once. It's you know it's. I guess it's like a girl that breaks up with you when you try to go back. Like, you're not going to get her back. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. So uh, I'm against the idea of going to Atlanta. Uh, nothing to no, – no disrespect to the city. They got a great football team, good basketball city. I just don't think it's a hockey city. And when I keep people kicking tires about going back there, I, I just don't get it. And, and we're also seeing the rise of of some new sports or not new – New exactly, but soccer is getting bigger in the U.S. You, you'll hear things about lacrosse and cricket. Anyway, there, there's a broad push toward bringing, uh, trying to grow the U.S. audience for a bunch of sports. Is that an issue for the NHL to keep young fans and just keep fans in general focused on hockey? Yeah, and and, and you said the world stage there. I, I was not a soccer fan until when was the World Cup up? Two years ago. Yeah, where Canada got yeah, yeah. in. So obviously, as a Canadian, I I paid attention because of of Canada being in it. That got my attention, and then I grew to love it. I will never not watch another soccer World Cup 
you know, the rest of my life. I, I loved it. It's great. The passion of the fans, the fact that we haven't had best on best um, at a world stage. And I don't know how many years it, it's been a while. Obviously COVID didn't help, but I guess what I'm saying is we need to grow our game on the national stage with best on best world cups, whatever they want to do. And I think that's the biggest thing to keep growing hockey. Yeah, I agree. I think it was last Christmas, I think, because I was in New York and France played uh, Argentina. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, Messi, went, baby. just I to follow Messi. up. Yeah. So he just said it right there. Just to follow up, like soccer's done a great job of creating these worldwide superstars, right? And we have such amazing young talent that we need to be able to put on bigger platforms. We need to give them, you know, access. We need fans and we need kids to have access to these players. You know, not just, you know, a, a kid with an Oilers jersey on cheering for Connor McDavid. But someone that can, you know, be in who knows where. You can be in Spain and you're walking around Spain and someone's wearing a Canada Connor McDavid jacket, you know, shirt because, you know, but Connor McDavid hasn't had a chance to wear a Canada jersey. So it's like yeah, it's all, all these different things that soccer, you know, soccer has throughout the course of a year. And you probably know this more than me, but how many friendlies do they have where their, their countries go play other countries and, and all of a sudden it's creating more momentum for them as a sport. And the MLS is a great product. Um, you know, they've done a great job of paying, you know, their big, big superstars, lots of, lots of money to come and, and be, you know, their, their spark and their, their heartbeat of the, uh, of the league. And, and it's worked, um, you know, Apple, the deal they signed with Apple and Messi. And, you know, I, I signed up to watch MLS soccer. I would have never done that five years ago, but anyway, they're, they're doing, they're doing a lot of good things and, you know, they're coming. I think the NHL knows that yet. And the executives in our league, should know that there's other sports, call it F1, that are making a big splash in the U.S. and Canada and soccer right now that, you know, three or four years ago, it was baseball, so, uh, you know, baseball, football, basketball that we worried about. Now we got two other big players to the to the stage. I love the idea of of having a friendly, right? Like Team USA against Team Canada, but we got to come up with a different name than a friendly. Yeah. Like, I don't like, I don't like the word like exhibition game either, but like no. friendly is not going to fly in hockey. No, I, I love where your head's at. Like, why not just best of seven or not even whatever, best of two to three Canada versus yeah. US in the summertime. Totally. I, I played over in Europe, played over in whatever country you want to pick. I guess that might not work. It's with probably because the but. NHL doesn't have control of it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. they don't, they want to control everything. With their super Don't I know it? Don't I know it? I don't know. They can't control. Yeah, no, I think it's a great idea. Before we let you go, you said your Oilers pick's not working out so well, Uh, but I'll I'll let you start fresh. Give me one pick. Could be who's going to win the cup. Just, you know, who's going to have a great season. Whatever you want. Just one prediction for the balance of the year. Well, Owen, I I picked the uh, I picked the Colorado Avalanche at the start of the year to win the Stanley Cup. I'm getting a little concerned. Lekkonen just got hurt the other night. It was pretty scary. Updog Seattle Kraken are their kryptonite. Every time the Avalanche play the Kraken, I, I just want to rip the TV off the wall. But listen, I'm going to say the Florida Panthers and our boy Matty Kachuk right now are sitting 9-4-1 in the Eastern Conference. Our boy Brandon Montour is coming back, I believe, on this Western road trip. Not sure about Ekblad, not sure about Bennett, but they got over the, the, the Stanley Cup hangover of going to the finals and losing. I love where they're sitting right now. Uh, I expect the Florida Panthers to go on a nice run here in the second half and be hungry come playoff time. I'm going to say uh, I'm going to go with my boy Obi here who picked the Vancouver Canucks at the start of the year to make the playoffs, which which was shocking to me. But Rick Tockett's got this team playing well. Quinton Hughes is a, a absolute stud superstar right now in our league. And what he's doing on the back end, um, jumping in the play, he's making everyone better. He talked about Pedersen earlier in this. Brock Besser, you know, almost tied for league scoring for goals. 
this team's playing way beyond their expectations, and I expect them to continue this. Patrick Demko has been, you know, uh, uh, yeah, uh, just a beast back there. Vesna caliber season so far. So I'm picking Vancouver to make a splash in the West. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And we, we, if Vancouver goes to the playoffs, we're going too. So we meet up. We love Vancouver. So we, we need to get in so we can go up there for a fellow tour, really take it in. All right. Sounds good. Shane O'Brien, Scotty Upshaw, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thanks for having us, fellow. Thanks. That's it for today. Subscribe to Front Office Sports Today on your favorite podcast app. If you're enjoying the show, tell a friend or at least tell me. I'm at Owen Poindexter on Twitter. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.